I want to head down to Rutland to our old country lawyer, a man that I have such a tremendous amount of respect for. Once a Marine, always a Marine, and that's Bill Anderson. Bill, good to have you. I mean, I'm getting try. I wanted you on every Friday, and Abby stopped me a couple times. Just Whoa. so you know. <laughs> yeah, Abby told me all about it. But uh, <laughs> happy New Year to all of you, and also happy birthday. To the radio industry, my uh, uh, the, uh, Alexa, the little smart Alec that lives in my radio here, uh, she told me this morning that it was uh, uh, 103 years ago today that radio station KDKA at Pittsburgh made the first commercial radio broadcast in the United States. So, happy birthday to radio. Oh, wait, I didn't know it was Pittsburgh. Well, all right. I should have known it was Pittsburgh, obviously. But, uh, uh, Bill, a lot of things happening today. How do they mirror what happened, uh, uh, you know, in, in your history books that you've read and studied so well? We've got a president uh, where they're, they're saying he didn't, he didn't handle, uh, you know, documents very well. We've got an ex-president where they're saying he didn't handle documents very well. I mean, w- was there a lot of this in the past in the United States? Well, you know, up until World War II, we didn't really even have a classification system for this stuff. Back in uh, uh, 1917, when the U.S. entered uh, World War I, the uh, Congress passed the Espionage Act, which made it illegal to transfer uh, information that was vital or important to the national defense uh, to... uh, uh, you know, to potential enemies or whatever, but uh, there wasn't really a classification system or uh, any uh, uh, system for keeping track of this stuff until we got into uh, World War II, and even then it was pretty uh, haphazard until uh, until the Cold War era and uh, the adoption of the uh, National Defense uh, Reorganization Act in 1947, uh, and after that, then we uh, we started to get a more formal, organized classification system, and it wasn't until uh, uh, the uh, uh, Nixon administration that uh, uh, Congress uh, passed the law that said. Uh, hey, all of these documents that are generated by the executive branch uh, belong to the uh, United States of America, not to the individual who happens to be occupying the office of president at the time. But, you know, prior to that, uh, you know, President uh, Truman, President Eisenhower, President Kennedy, President Johnson, they they were able to uh, pretty much take all the documents that were in their office and put them in their library. Of course, President Kennedy didn't have any personal involvement in that. But, I mean, uh, those uh, documents, uh, correspondence were considered to be... Uh, 
just like any other correspondence that you might have, uh, was considered to be along to the person who had it. So, so Bill, uh, Bill, when you when you look at this, because we're still talking two years after his presidency, often about Donald Trump. Uh, the Republican Party is. Obviously, he's he's forcing that conversation by announcing he is running again. He wants us talking about him. In, in the scope of history, do you remember a, a former president that the, the world talked about as much or that still played as big of a role in the, the news cycles as what Trump does? No, I I don't I don't think there's been any uh, president who uh, or ex-president who made uh, uh, such a conscious effort to remain in the public uh, uh, spotlight. But uh, uh, Trump, you know, uh, before he was president. And uh, during his presidency and now after his presidency, I mean, he's a master of manipulating the news media to remain in the public spotlight. Uh, I always uh, remember the famous quote for our own uh, Bill Langer here in North Dakota because uh, Langer was always saying something or doing something that would get the uh, the then uh, editors of the Fargo Forum in particular, but other newspapers around the state riled up, uh, old uh, Mr. Haggerty up in Grand Forks uh, and, uh, and all that. And they would print articles about Langer on the front page of the newspaper and on the back page and every page in between. Uh, talking about how terrible Langer was and what a bad senator he was and all of that. And, and of course, every time Bill Langer ran for re-election, he won by a bigger margin. And his, uh, his comment was, I don't care what they write about me just as long as they spell my name right. <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, and and I think you know that quote Trump is still uh, used a lot today, a lot. Yeah, well, there you go. But I think I think Trump lives by that. He so, does not care what is said about him as long as as people are talking about him. And I I think uh, at least uh, in his first run for the presidency, it worked for him. So I when when I asked you that question, I thought here's what potentially is going to be the answer. Uh, that that he might say Teddy Roosevelt because Teddy Roosevelt is a man that that turned around and ran for the presidency again under a a different uh, banner. But stick around, Bill, because I want you to expound on that. Bill Anderson's already got his groupies texting in. They're saying another time. I'd love to hear more uh, from Bill about uh, Langer and Nye. So he we can take care of that as well. Um, Bill, before the break, uh, Bill Anderson, by the way, a walking historian, somebody we love to get on on Fridays when we can, um, we were talking about former presidents and their role in government and their role in the public eye. I, I thought you might, that that Teddy Roosevelt might have fit that criteria, having come back. Well, you know, uh, uh, when Teddy Roosevelt left the White House, okay, he, uh, he already regretted the uh, declaration that he made after he won 
uh, election to the presidency in 1904, in that election, he said that that he would consider that uh, to be his second term because he became president uh, uh, six months after becoming vice president in uh, uh, 1901 uh, after the assassination of uh, William McKinley. But uh, but anyway, uh, he uh, he said, well, I, I won't run for another term after this one. Well, he already regretted that before the end of that term, but he had given his word, and so he uh, he uh, left the White House, and he thought he had left it in good hands. Uh, his successor was William Howard Taft, who had been one of his allies uh, during the time that he was president, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, Roosevelt thought that uh, that Taft would carry on his policies regarding conservation regarding busting up the trusts and and things like that and uh, instead uh, uh, Taft uh, uh, gravitated right over to the old line uh, arch conservative big business uh, uh, side of the Republican Party and uh, uh, and Roosevelt uh, although he <laughs> he didn't resist very hard, but he uh, he felt himself compelled to uh, jump back into uh, into the fray. And uh, of course, in uh, 1912 election, uh, you know Roosevelt uh, did the best of any third party candidate so far in history, in that he uh, he came in second to Woodrow Wilson. Uh, and William Howard Taft, the incumbent, came in third, but uh, uh, Roosevelt uh, did not get reelected. And I think that his uh, cousin, who became uh, president and uh, uh, was sworn in in 1933, learned uh, a lot of lessons from uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, he based his New Deal program, a lot of it was based on Roosevelt's uh, square deal uh, program and uh, uh, and also he uh, he recognized that once you leave the White House it's a lot harder to get back in so uh, so uh, Roosevelt uh, kept running and uh, and was elected four times but uh, FDR that is yeah so so it uh, um, uh, you know the lessons uh, learned by one generation are sometimes learned by the by the next generation. Yep, it, it definitely showed up, Bill. We're going to hit you up again. Thank you for coming on News and Views. I appreciate it. Happy New Year and happy birthday, Joel. Take care. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> Radio. It's our bird. Only Bill would be able to pull that out.